Welcome to the Keegan Smith Podcast. Choose what you give your life to or have it stolen from you. My mission is to rewire for power. We've all been gifted massive potential. This podcast is about unwrapping that gift. What if you could? Potentiating wellness, abundance, and movement. Today's podcast is made possible thanks to Prove It Ketones. I got onto Prove It Ketones through Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss, and I'm glad that I did. I was following the ketogenic diet and uh, adding the ketones to what I was doing definitely improved my training, improved my recovery. The research keeps getting bigger, better, wider. So many benefits uh, to this product and the amazing stories that I've heard from people all over the world who've completely transformed their bodies and their lives with this product makes it a pretty amazing thing to offer. So if you want some, reach out realmovement.proveitnow.com or message me and I will connect you up with a sample. Okay, so it's uh, been a little while here in, in between drinks again. I am very determined to get a rhythm of this thing going and I have really enjoyed uh, the feedback from the podcast so far. If you do have a suggestion or something that you would love to see on the podcast, then uh, hit me up, hit me back. I love uh, hearing from you guys. That's what I'm doing this thing for. So today on my Insta story, I was talking about where we earn a living from, right? And everybody has to keep the lights on. Everybody needs to feed themselves, put food on the table and if you want to have a family, you have to actually get that situation under enough control to be able to support other lives. Now, a lot of poorer, lower socioeconomic families won't have as much consideration for that, and so they tend to have more kids and have them earlier in life. People who actually go to university and want to have a serious career path, the you know guys who are like that will generally you know, associate more with women who have that path, and so... Um, it's almost a form of sterilization, the modern education and economic system. It's crazy that it's almost criminal now to be a pregnant 16-year-old where in times gone by, that would have been the, the most normal thing to do. And why have we designed this system in this way? Why is it that you don't feel as though you, it would be economically viable to have children in your teens or your early 20s What's this system all about? Why are we set up in this way? Very, very you know, interesting to me and something that I've been thinking about. Something, these are the kinds of things that roll around in my head. But beyond that is the question of earning a living and being successful financially, right? To be rich, to be very successful financially, how do you do it? Well, in almost all cases, it comes down to leveraging someone else's time, putting people to work for you. That's what I'm talking about in the intro. You find your power or you have it taken from you. You choose your path or you have it chosen from you, for you. Okay, so where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? These are big decisions because if we don't make these decisions, then someone else will make them for you. And you think, well, yeah, like I chose this path. I chose to be working at the supermarket or I chose to be the delivery man or I chose to be the whatever but really did you or were you just conditioned into that from a young age that that was as high as you should could uh would aim so the person who owns that supermarket the person who owns that 
delivery company or the people who invest in it and the people that hold shares in it, they're leveraging your time. So there's a surplus from the work that you do that allows them to gain a lot more money than you do. Or if you're the owner of those things, then you're doing that same process in reverse. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It depends on the rules of the game, right? And that's kind of what the Cold War was about to a large extent. That was kind of the democratic Europe. And this stuff has been worked out over the last century in politics, having a minimum wage, having a social security net. So everybody has the right to health and education and a reasonable, you know, reasonably priced food, reasonably priced housing. These were sort of some of the things that came, especially out of the Second World War, was what would, what would the standard of living be for the average person? So in Europe, uh, America to an extent, and Australia, you know, we, we settled on a system where everyone would be okay and then some people would would be more okay. Okay, so that's kind of capitalism is some people are, can do much, much better than other people. And I think there is a place, you know, for, for merit in society, right? Like the, the criticism of communism that, you know, there's no longer any... Um, there's, there's no reward for being extremely successful. Like we don't want that in society either. You know, uh, whether it was really the case, like there was a lot of good things that happened in education. People say that when they rode the trains in the seventies and eighties in Russia, you know, everybody was reading books. Like they had a different culture of education, but economically there's not too much doubt that that, um, that system kind of failed. Cuba is a bit more complicated because they've been blocked from trading with the rest of the world. Um, and they have an extremely educated society. They export doctors to all the poorest countries of the world, and they exchanged medical care for petrol to Venezuela as Venezuela started to uh, carry out its social revolution. So I can see both sides of this. Like I love competition and, and sport and seeing people strive and seeing people launch new projects, and you know that's kind of what my business is about. And you know I've earned a lot of money helping people to chase dreams, and that's seems like the opposite the antithesis of the you know the communist type system but then on the other side it's like well why can people not even eat well get well educated um have a house to live in in this time where we have so much but how do we do that without stealing the the dignity of those people without stealing the incentive to to thrive and the incentive you know to to win right there has to be some some level of losing to, to be able to win, right? If everybody wins, then you, you can't win anymore. So it's a, it's a challenging one. It's a big question. Um, and yeah, you know, gradually what's happened, what happened after the second world war, you know, there's agreements that were made, uh, like sort of at the UN, I, I believe I used to be massive on this, this sort of political history. It's been a while since I've been looking at it, but basically there was a deal done there where there was that social, you know, that safety net and that safety net has gradually been eroded uh, in all of the sort of richer countries. So the, the, the gap between rich and poor is getting bigger and bigger. So that means people who choose to just have their time leveraged are gradually worse off. Um, now, this is also complicated by the fact that we want a bunch of bullshit, right? So people want all sorts of shit. And so they have no money, but they have a phone, they have Foxtel, 
you know, they're buying um, junk food, they're buying food from the service station when they go there, you know, paying $6.50 for a Powerade when they could be paying $7.50 for ketones, which would actually revolutionize and transform their brains. Um, but instead, you know, they grab a coffee and a muffin from 7-Eleven for 10 bucks, right? So is there actually a lack of wealth or is there just a lack of education around that? You know, if, if people, if we had a culture where people save 10% of what they earned or even 3% of what they earned for a rainy day, and I'm, you know, soup is a, soup is a controversial one. That's probably not for today's conversation, but if people were actually putting some money away, just even a small percentage, then we probably are actually, you know, even people who are on welfare or people who are not making much money, um, could actually probably get themselves to being relatively wealthy. But we don't really get a financial education about the power of compound interest in the positive or in the negative. Compound interest on credit cards, compound interest on mortgages, you know, very, very powerful. And in the other direction, compound interest on you know shares and bonds and stocks and um, those sorts of things, uh, that's how the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. In the middle of this is the decision of where where in this you're going to sit. If you have some awareness of it, then it's like, well, yeah, cool. I'm happy to be somewhere in the middle of this chain. I'm happy to be uh, making a little bit of money. I'm happy to be somewhere near the bottom of the tree, making not much money, but I'm okay. I'm stable, nine to five. I can live for the weekend. I can live for my two weeks of holidays a year. If that's you, then you're probably not actually listening to this podcast anyway because I think it's mostly uh, young guys. I don't get too many messages from women actually. It's young guys who are exploring what's possible for themselves. So if that's you, just buzz me a message. I do like hearing who's listening to this thing. Um, but yeah, like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to sit on this thing? Like, are we going to accept the status quo? I was driving past, driving through Brisbane today. It's my daughter's fourth birthday. Picked up my mother-in-law from Brisbane and I was looking at the buildings and I was trying to estimate the worth of some of these high-rise buildings. I went to a Bentley dealership last night um, and looked at the cars at like four $500,000. Like some, somebody's buying these cars. Somebody's driving these cars. Somebody owns this building and, and some of them are probably collectively owned. But for all I know, some of them may be privately owned as well. So there is extreme wealth, right? You, you just add up the value of the cars along one of the main streets there in the city or anywhere you go, really. We drove past the Hilton and there was like Ferrari, Ferrari, Beamer. So you get to a million dollars pretty quick. You get to $10 million not too far after that. So there's money everywhere. And it's the question of sort of what we're doing to get it. And where in this where in this chain we want to sit. So, this is something I battle with as well. Like, am I comfortable to be the leader of a corporation, to be leveraging a bunch of other people's time, and maybe making a lot more money than them, right? Because that's the structure of this Western society. That's a big part of the reason why I spent years sleeping on floors in Mexico and uh, living out the back of a $1,000 Toyota Corolla, uh, 85 model, three-speed auto, um, out in the outback. 
because I didn't really know where I wanted to sit inside of this system. And I kind of knew I didn't want to sit inside the system. I kind of knew that I didn't want to work nine to five. I made that decision you know, pretty early in high school. Um, I actually read Rich Dad Poor Dad, Richard Kiyosaki's book, uh, somewhere there in my late teens. And I started to invest. I had money in like um, growth funds and whatever, managed funds. Uh, but I only had a couple thousand dollars to invest some of the first money that I earned and it got smashed with fees. So basically it had to make quite a bit of money to uh, even just break even um, because that's the way those things are set up. If you know, I've just been reading uh, Unshakable from Tony Robbins and yeah, he talks about that as well. The index funds, the power of index funds. He's talking about Warren Buffett wants most of his wealth to go into indexed funds because the market is much smarter than people predicting it he's got like a million dollar bet or something like that with uh, a bunch of the top hedge fund managers and the market is way way ahead of the best hedge fund managers so um, it's a difficult thing to predict that market thing and a lot of it just gets a lot of his fees for the financial services industry, which is a huge industry uh, in itself. But reading Rich Dad Poor Dad there as a kid, I was like, I definitely do not want to be one of these people that's just chasing debt all my life. So how do we go around that? How do we avoid that? How do we actually have some assets? One of the ways is to leverage other people's time and make more money. Saving and investing is conversation for another time. But there's, they're, they're basically our two choices, right? Leverage or be leveraged. The third option is to have your own business and to be basically a sole trader. So that's what a lot of the guys who've been through Real Movement Project do. They may have one or two guys that they're um, leveraging the time of, and usually those guys know they're having their time leveraged as a, an interim thing before they go and open their own facility. The, the, the traditional CrossFit box story is... You know, someone buys a box, they get going pretty well, they invest a fair bit, um, you know, in their, they, they get a head coach on as it starts to go well. The head coach runs the gym, and then my little daughter's coming here, I'm not sure what she's going to be after. The door's on the other side. What do you want, Baba? I'm just doing a podcast. So the, that person's having their, their time leveraged, but they know they're going to open a box. Sometimes that box is just on the other side of the street, down the corner, down around the corner. Um, that's kind of the way it goes. And that's pretty much the attitude of most employees, right? Most employees are thinking, yeah, I'll do this for now. I'll pick up as much skill as I can and then I'll take it and run my own show. And that's kind of, I guess, something that employees have to accept uh, and employers have to accept you know that most of the staff are actually there as an interim thing to try and get somewhere else at least the, the good ones and the smart ones um, some industries there's a lot of a you know challenge around capital that makes that more difficult but uh, that's you know there, there are th there are three normal scenarios is, is we either accept sitting at the bottom of the rung we run the show and put others to work or we run our own show and leverage ourselves. And that's kind of the challenge within that is that you basically just have your own job, 
right? So when you stop working, everything stops working. Speaking even to a really successful gym owner the other day, and he said as soon as he stops running the classes, they drop. You know, he's got he's a good businessman. He's got a good business. Um, he got a great gym, but as soon as he stops being hands on, the business falls apart. So that's the scenario number three, and unfortunately, that's the scenario of you know ninety percent of the guys I've worked with in real movement. They they don't really have a business; they have a job where it's it's them versus the world. Um, so if they stop, the money stops. If they try and sell it, it's just worth the equipment value because it's it's just them. Um, the fourth option, and the option that I was kind of hinting at today, is that you have a job. You have an income source that comes from under other people. You learn the ropes. They teach you how to work. And then you pass that on. You try and teach other people to be really good at what you get good at. And by you being successful, it actually pays your mentors. So it's not like a real estate agent where if you get good at being a real estate agent and then you go and open up your own um your own shop, your own brand around the corner, it's for as long as you're involved with that thing, the better you go, the better they go. And so the incentive for the boss is always to help the employee do really well. And But the, the trick is that the employee soon becomes the boss. So the, the, the employee is the boss for a bunch of other people. This is the, the model of network marketing, right? And it sounds kind of crazy when you look at it this way because everybody thinks network marketing is uh most people think network marketing is rubbish richard kiyosaki doesn't and bob Proctor doesn't and you know a bunch of these people who are much smarter than me you know actually think it's pretty smart but the trick with it is that you can make more money than the person who in, in you know is your boss initially the person who introduces you to the business you can make a lot more money than them if your business is more successful um, so it actually makes so much economic sense when you look at it in that way what doesn't make sense in network marketing is that i would say the vast majority and this is a this is a personal you know decision obviously and a personal preference and the market decides this but most of the products that network marketing is using uh, are not unique or, or not super valuable. Now, all the biggest brands in the world actually use network marketing to distribute their product, like Coca-Cola and Colgate and blah blah blah. You know, they, they actually do sell to network marketing uh, businesses because they're getting product out to the world. But the other side of the equation is what happens if it's actually a good product. Like if it's actually a good product and you get to start your business, you'll get to start your franchise, someone mentors you through the process and if you're able to build a successful business, if they're able to help you and you're able to help yourself and then you're able to help the friends, family or other people who decide that it's a good decision to work um, in that company, then you all help each other out and you all win. Now... What often happens in network marketing is people think, well, I'm going to come in, I'm going to make heaps of money really quickly, it's going to be super easy, and then that's it. End of story. One of the guys I was listening to this morning, his story was that he tried like six different companies and it, and, and it, and it took him more than five years to get any success uh, in network marketing. Eric Worre is another guy, so I've become a student of this because I have a 
you know, very successful network marketing business now. And I've come to gradually understand the, the, the business model. There's a guy called Eric Worry who has a book called GoPro. And uh, yeah, Eric Worry talks about it being a six-year process to become a successful network marketer. The trick is that rather than investing, you know, 30 grand as you would in a three-year degree in Australia or, you know, 50, 100, 150, 200 to become a medical doctor uh, in Australia or in the US or whatever, you actually get paid as you learn. So you, you don't pay to learn, but you get paid as you learn. Whenever you have a success, then you, you make money on that. So there's an opportunity to do it on the side of whatever you're doing, or you can go at it full time. So this model, when I look at it on paper, when I look at all my history of you know, questioning communism and capitalism and meritocracy and you know structures and leadership and servants and slaves, you know, I'd, I'd, you know, sometimes the way I look at society when I, when I'm, you know, in the city and I'm, I'm just looking at what people do and the way they talk about their job, it, it does feel as though it's slavery. It's just, just a very light version of it, you know, where people feel enough freedom that they'll keep doing it. There's no pushback against it, but they're really not that free. They're, they're giving a massive, massive portion of their lives to doing something that doesn't fulfill them at all, that they're not interested in. And then when they get time off, they buy crappy food, they sit and watch TV, they eat junk food, and they punch it all back into the system, right? They, they buy, the, buy the fancy car and the fancy clothes to drive to work and where to work, but none of it's actually really what they want to be doing. And to me, that sounds a lot like slavery. And when I look at the modern economy, I see 90, 95% of the work being done as being pretty much useless. It's, 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 pushing, it's pushing things around in circles, and it's not really stuff that fulfills humans. Like if you stop doing it, what happens? Like someone else can do it, but there's zero consequence of most people stepping out of their job. And a lot of the services stuff is really duplication. It's like when you go to, to Bali or Thailand and you walk past the markets and there's like 25 stalls all selling the same stuff and there's kids and mums and whatever and then they're all sitting around and it's just wasted labor, right? 100 years ago, they were making food. They were doing cultural things. They were spending time with their community. You know, they were praying, they were dancing, whatever they were doing, hunting, sowing, it wasn't all roses, but they weren't just sitting there waiting for someone to buy some piece of crap from China that's going to be in the scrap heap, you know, soon enough anyway. So it's like waste of energy. It's waste of all that energy that was used to produce the electricity and the coal that was required for the electricity or, or the, you know, the coal and metal and resources that was required to build the solar panels as we start to get into that. But the bottom line is that it's just crap and it's unfulfilling and it's not going anywhere. And I would say when you trace it back, most, you know, most modern jobs, a lot of modern jobs uh, are pushing shit uphill. Like they're doing things that could be done in a different way that a duplication of tasks that are just, you know, super simple. Basic services that are you know, being rubbed and polished in different ways to create industry. 
So what's the solution? Like, what are the options? What are the possibilities? Well, I'm just asking you questions of where you want to sit in this tree. Are you going to be the, the, the slave driver? Are you going to be the slave? Are you going to be, you know, create a job for yourself that kind of sits outside of that system? Are you going to work for the government? Take the tax money? Where are you going to sit in the whole picture? Can you do something that matters? If you found something that matters and you're actually doing that and it's fulfilling your heart's desires and you're doing some good things with your, with your life you know, financially, that's awesome. I think that's, it literally is awesome. Awesome is overused, but it brings awe because it's something that a very small minority of people actually are, are doing. You're not actually escaping or needing to escape from that when you finish work and you don't wish you could escape from it. So yeah, this network marketing thing, for, for, most, for the most part, when I look at other network marketing companies and opportunities, they're kind of duplicating tasks. They don't really have anything special. They don't have anything blue ocean, anything, you know, they're, they're red ocean products. They're doing something the same as everybody else and, and there's a fight going on in the water and there's blood in the water. That's the red ocean versus the blue ocean when you're actually providing a new service and doing something that hasn't been done before. That's the only reason I'm involved and connected with Prove It uh, is because it's something that hasn't been done before. It's something the world doesn't know about. The ketogenic diet is spreading virally, but it's not being televised. It's not front page of the newspaper. It'll be on the worst diets of 2018 list. You know, mark my words. Just like paleo was, which was the the antecedent. It was what came before the keto diet. Um, next one that's going to be huge is going to be the carnivore diet because people are seeing such massive transformations with it. And so, you know, somewhere between keto and carnivore is actually going to be a major solution for a lot of people who have extreme health challenges and it's going to fuel performance as well when you increase wellness you fuel performance now for a lot of healthy athletes carbs can play a role but for the unhealthy majority removing carbohydrate from the diet and removing common allergens which includes most plant foods is a big part of the solution so this is what I'm excited about. This is the message I'm excited about. That's why I've been putting so much energy uh, into Prove It. A lot of you guys would have seen that. I'm not pumping tons of energy into real movement at the moment. I am trying to find uh, business partners, the opportunities, the connections, the energy, the belief, and the pathway to build real movement. I was speaking to a, a New York uh, guy who sits on the stock exchange a couple days ago uh, about what it would take. You know, where you need to be and to get to, to get investors, to, to get a serious project off the ground. Um, and I do have those connections. It's really a matter of getting stuff together, getting a team together, getting ideas together, and, and getting it to some of these people who actually own these crazy big buildings and these super expensive cars out there. Um, you know, that's really what, uh, you know, what needs to happen. Um That was, uh, I guess, maybe last podcast. I don't know. But yeah, 
the opportunity is there, the possibility is there. Same thing is there in your life. I'm just sharing honestly where I'm at, what I'm doing, what I'm looking at. And yeah, there's huge opportunity for anyone who's got a vision, who's got the energy to, to back it up. And you might think, well, I'm a million miles away from that right now. But yeah, I was a million miles away from that when I was in my 20s, when I was sleeping on floors and making less than $10,000 a year. Um, you know, I worked on feedlots. I was talking to one of the newest members of my team, Ricky. Is uh, he, he did two years working in abattoirs. Well, I did, I did uh, maybe three months working on, on a feedlot way out in the middle of nowhere uh, in Queensland. Um, I delivered meats in, in Darwin for, for a few months. Um, I did all sorts of kind of crappy jobs while I was trying to figure out who I am and where I'm going and what I want to be. And gradually those experiences, you know, now I see that they all play their part. They're all important. And, you know, for you guys, I would love for you to, to see that as well, that you have your opportunities, that you can play your part and that what you, what you do makes a difference. Okay. So the biggest goal here is for you guys not to play small, for you guys to, to see guys and girls to see that you have huge opportunity and that you, your actions matter. So that's the, the take home for the podcast. And I guess the reason why I do the podcast is to challenge, to challenge you to ask yourself, yourself important questions about what you value, about what role you're playing in society, about what you're giving your life to. Like everyone's giving their life to something, right? Everyone's giving their life to something, the question is to what? You know, what do you want to give your life to? Because it's disappearing one day at a time, right? We have this massive long present. We have the present and it goes for a bunch of years. Sometimes a few years, sometimes 80 years, sometimes 100 years. What are we choosing to do with that? That's what this podcast is about and work is a huge part of that. So, yeah, be super interested to hear your thoughts, where you want to sit, are you happy with where you're sitting, where are you going to take this, what actions would be required if you decided to go towards whatever your ideal is there, to go towards what makes most sense to you. Thanks for jumping on. Looking forward to hearing some feedback and I uh, hope you're doing really well. Talk to you again soon. Man, that guy can talk. But he does it because he loves it. If you loved it, share it. Give us some feedback. What was great? What didn't you like? What was your biggest take-home message? Make sure you stay in touch with us on Instagram and share your wins, people. This win is only going to come if we do it together. We have to take ourselves further. By taking ourselves further, we give permission for everybody around us to make positive changes in their lives and to become the people who they want to become. Everybody's changing the world. You are changing the world. Let's do this together. Let's see how far we can take it. Imagine, imagine if we all put our full heart into becoming the best versions of ourselves every single day.